0: Hey, it's graham and it's thursday and that means we're offering you another positive piece of a past interview each week our team digs through the archives to find our strongest feel-good stories to present to you in podcast form this week former university of north carolina basketball coach roy williams your mom yeah um what do you think you most learned from her oh gosh it would take me a long time to say everything she was a very intelligent but uneducated uh, lady, she quit school in the 10th grade. My dad quit in the sixth grade and my mom had 10 brothers and sisters, my dad had 13. So when we had family reunions, we had 5,000 cousins (laughs) around and I was the first of our generation to ever go to college and education was not really ever spoken of in my home. Uh, When my report card came in, my mom would always see it and and I knew it pleased her that I had really good grades, and the biggest thing I get from my mom is that uh, she had confidence and trust of me doing the right thing. One time she even said, you just make sure you do the right thing. I said, Mom, how am I going to know what's the right thing? And she said, you'll know. What did she teach you about work ethic? Oh, she just always told me to do my best, and she said, I'm not asking you to do the best you can do. I'm saying, do the best. And so she wanted me to, it was her way of saying, I guess, that she wanted me to be competitive. And you saw it in her, though, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, when she was 65 years old and quit, uh, retired, seven months later she got cancer, nine months later she was dead. But when she retired at 65, the last week she worked, she worked 48 hours. I mean, so nobody worked harder than my mom did, and she did it to provide for me. That was it. She worked for Vanderbilt shirt factory for 25 years, but then she would iron for people on the side. Yeah. Uh, what about that made you kind of embarrassed to answer the door? You know, it just embarrassed me because my mom is having to iron other people's clothes, make enough money to feed me. So there'd a lot of times that I would leave. Uh, I would go up the hill across the street to the Biltmore Elementary School and try to play basketball or something just to get out of there on Sunday nights. Why'd she start giving you a dime? I'm in the seventh grade. We would always stay on the playground and play about every afternoon if the weather was okay. And then right across the street, there was, in those days you called them filling stations. When we finished playing, everybody stops at Ed's and get a Coke. And she said, what what do you do? And I said, mom, I just drink some water. And uh, so she didn't like that and the next day there was a dime uh, sitting on the kitchen table because at that time that's what coats cost (laughs) and uh, so she left me a dime on the kitchen table every morning it was something that meant a great deal to me what about it touches you so much just that uh, she didn't want me to be any different from everybody else tell about the day your family home was foreclosed on you're in some tough spots My mom and dad had had bought the house, the only house they'd ever owned. We'd always rented. And my mom and dad were having problems. And they'd split and get back together split and get back together. So during those times, uh, uh, we would... uh, uh, stay where we where she could find a place for us to stay. One uh, of my aunts and her husband were managing a hotel, so we lived in a hotel. My mother would had a job and then she would clean rooms at night to help pay for the uh, room. My dad calls and says, why don't you guys come and uh, take the house and I'll move out. And uh, so we did. And we were there about three weeks and knock on a door and there's two guys and suits black dark suits white shirts and real thin little tie that's the reason to this day i still won't wear one of those really thin little ties <laughs> i don't wear those and they asked if my mother or father were there and i said yes just a minute and i went and got my mom and she came and they gave us 10 days to get out of the house because while we had been gone dad had not made any of the house payments it was tougher on i mean, it was tough on me because i thought this is our home uh, but it was really tough on my mom take me through the moment where you had just gotten back from the golf course and walk in after getting your mom a house and see her for the first time. Yeah, that was that was a neat thing. Uh, so in 1984, because uh, my mom uh, was still living in a rented house that we'd lived in as I was growing up, and I decided to build her a house. So we did. and. Uh, A friend of mine, Jerry Green, who later became one of my assistants, we made three trips and took all of my mom's furniture and everything out of the little house and put it in the new house. And so I asked my sister, I said, uh, what time are you going to bring mom over? Because she would never been to the house and she knew it was going on and we talked about it and everything. And she told me what she wanted, but she didn't want to go there until it was uh, finished. And so... She said, well, two or three o'clock, what's good for you? And I said, oh, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to go play golf. And she said, you don't want to be there when mom walks in? I said, no. I said, why do I want to see her cry? And uh, so I did. I said, uh, tell her I'll be there 6.30 or 7. So I remember walking in the house. and. Uh, opened a door and walked in and she was standing at the stove stirring the gravy. My favorite meal was fried chicken, biscuits and gravy. And uh, so I just went up behind her and hugged her a little bit and then went on back into the bedroom and washed my hands and everything like that. And then we came back and ate. The folded $100 bill Mm -hmm. that you've kept, uh, why? It helped me a great deal. And this is corny, but I'm corny, Jesus Christ. so my mom is uh, diagnosed with multiple myeloma. I called her and she, had, she told me they were gonna do a procedure. So uh, I said, I think I might just fly back and be there. She said, don't do that. She always, she kept saying, you keep doing your job. It shouldn't take but about 20 minutes is all it's gonna take. She said, but the only thing that makes me mad is why I had to be in here by two o'clock today and they're not gonna do it until two o'clock tomorrow. I could have gone to bingo tonight. And that was the thrill for me. I just started laughing. I said, okay, you're okay. And it was the godsend later on because my whole thing, when she got it, I just didn't want her to suffer. And so uh, they put the wire in through her throat and it uh, punctures the uh, pericardium and she had cardiac arrest on the table and died. And uh, so for me, the last thing my mom and I talked about was the fact that they, they messed her up and wouldn't let her go to bingo the night before. So those were good feelings. And so I go back home and get wand and the kids. And so we go to Asheville and we pull up in front of the house that we had built for her. And this is 1992. So she had been able to live there for eight years. And her friend Leonard, who would take her to play bingo And he was really a nice guy, an older, retired guy, like my mom. And uh, he walks up and he said, your mama gave me this to keep until she got out of the hospital. And it was two $100 bills because she had won the $200 at the bingo the last time they had gone. And so I gave my sister uh, one of the $100 bills and I kept the other one. And uh, it's still in my back pocket in my wallet right now. And It's never left. That's it for now, but if you're hungry for more In-Depth with Graham Bensinger interviews, head over to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger. You can dive into our deep library, which includes more than 2,000 clips spanning 11 years. Hope to have you back next week for our Monday and Thursday podcast releases. Thanks again for listening.